is that our prayer for the Holy Spirit to move upon this place right now? I mean, is that not why we've gathered to experience Him? How many need to be encouraged by God's Word this morning? This morning we're in John chapter 5, and I just want to get right to it. We're in verse 1. Please remain standing as we read these together. It says, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem because he was going up towards the cross. He went up towards Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethsaida, or Bethsaida, however you want to pronounce it in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a multitude of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Kind of reminds me of the church this morning. Honestly, are we not all messed up? We are. I hope I didn't just break news to somebody in here today. I've come to build you up, not tear you down. But that's us, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, recovered from whatever element he had. One man. See, this morning I see a crowd, but God sees the movement of one. See, this, movement I see a, this morning I see a congregation, but God sees the one person in each seat. Aren't you glad that he sees the one? Are you glad that he sees you this morning? One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? And I believe this morning in Jesus' name that God's asking you, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up. Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Church, how many of you this morning, you need God to make you well? There's some things you need to pick up that have been dragging you down, and you need to be made well, and you need to walk on. Anybody in here need that? This morning, I want to take just a little time to talk with you about activate your ability activate your ability worship team thank you so much you sounded so good this morning you may be seated yeah let's celebrate it activate your ability how many of you like me are phone freaks how many of you Carry your phone everywhere you go. Okay, just like the volunteer service, I think I'm preaching to some liars here this morning. So let me ask again. Just be honest. Don't lie here. If any places, don't lie. I mean, God sees you out there, but don't lie when the preacher's asking a question. How many of you carry your phone everywhere you go? How many of you, like me, get a little nervous or a little twitch if you accidentally forget it? And you're, yeah, okay, don't lie. I'm going to make a confession. I actually sleep with my phone under my pillow. Anybody else do that? Please. Okay. Oh, good. Good. This morning, all the volunteers there were like, you're so crazy. They judge me. But I use it as an alarm clock. And I told them, you know, like, like a little child, instead of like waking up in the middle of the night to fill my blankie, I make sure and rub my phone under my pillow to make sure it's still there. So I, I, I want your help on this, okay? I, I don't always enjoy people talking while I'm preaching, but this morning, help me out. When you, when you think of a phone, 
what kinds of things come to mind? What is this? And don't, don't overthink it. Just computer. computer. Yeah, that's great. Communication, computer. Connection. Connection. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what else? What else? Huh? Family. Family. Photos. Photos. Security. Security. What else comes to mind? Work. Work. Yeah. What else? Any other thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. See, here's the deal with this. Basically, this thing is an endless resource, right? I mean, everything you could, just about every need is at your disposal here. But the problem with this phone by itself is there has to be some things before this. So, for example, when my wife and I get new phones, when we upgrade and take things to the next level, some church should do a series called that, Upgrade, Taking Your Life to the Next Level. Let's take a note of that back there. We would give Harper our old phones to play with, and she loved it, you know, because old phones, they still have the power, and you can kind of turn stuff on. But the problem is, is for this to be of any value, it has to be activated, right? I'm going to see if I can get you, Brittany. I see if you, oh, I got her. Oh, this is crazy. Got you too, Sarah, and you, Reagan. Sorry. ADD's kicking in. Um, anyway, it has to be activated for it to be any good. But even before that, we must realize here what we have is we have something that has endless amount of resource, and when activated, it has the ability to accomplish most, if not all, of what we need. Now, once this is activated, and I'm going to just go ahead and say this. This may not be fun to y'all because some of y'all weren't here for the volunteer service, but I'm very aware that it takes money to have one of these, okay? We had some smart guy in the volunteer service talk about how you had to have money to have one of these, and that's true. But... I'm going to ask you another question and give you a clue. In order to keep this thing going, you must have a charger. You must have a charger. How many of you have ever done this? You've plugged your phone in. Listen, we have such a great team here this morning. No joke. I text them at like 730. This is a big deal to me. I text them at 730. I was like, hey, I need something for an illustration. I need you to help me. And maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've not. But they ran me this special extension cord right here because they love me and they always help me. And how many of you know you need people behind the scenes to get things done? How many of you know in the Old Testament there's a man named Moses that many of you have heard about and every time he would preach and every time he would go out and fight the battle, particularly there's one instance where his brother Aaron held his arm up and every time the arm stayed up they won but when the arm fell they lost and sometimes preachers need people to hold their arms. You don't get to see them a lot because they're behind the scenes but I have a great group of people that make this happen for me and for you and for everybody else. But how many of you have ever went to plug up your phone? Because if it's activated, it's got to be connected to the source, right? And the source is electricity or power. How many of you went and ever, you've hooked it up and you're, you know, you'll say you're getting ready to leave in 30 minutes or an hour and you go plug it in like this and it just barely gets in there and you come back getting ready to leave expecting a full charge and it's only like 2% and you're ticked off and you're mad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's happened to me numerous times, numerous times. Or I've plugged it up through the night and wake up and I've got like 1% left and I have to leave in five minutes and, you know, then I freak out and... I have to take a Valium. I'm just kidding. I don't take Valiums, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Here's the deal, though. Many of us are like that this morning. We've been activated. We've received Christ, if you will, but we're not really connected to the source. See, many of you this morning, you're activated, and you've got endless resources. You've got the Bible. You've got prayer. You've got great preaching. You've got good music. You've got a good support system, but you're not connected to the source, and so it basically means nothing right? Now, what happens when you get a good connection? See if you can hear this. Did you hear that? Let's try it again. Did you hear that? There's an indication 
One more time, because I like the way it sounds. There is an indication when you've been connected to the source. Now, the same is true for Christ followers. When we have been activated by the power of the Holy Spirit, there ought to be an indication that we're connected to the source, whom is God, Jesus. Now, when that comes, activation, uh, you, you hear this indication that we're connected to the source for the phone, it's a ding. But for Christ followers, it ought to be like this. Your life ought to look a little bit different. There ought to be an indication that what's been activated in you is the real thing. That you're connected to a source of power that's greater than any power down here. Are you tracking with me? So for God to activate your ability, which is to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to be connected to the source. And when you're connected to the source, then, just like this phone, if I can keep it charged, I can keep going, I can keep Facebook, and I can keep Instagramming, I can keep reading blogs, I can keep prank calling people. I'm not above it. I, would, I used to have this app. This is crazy. I used to have this app where you could like put in somebody else's phone number or prank call somebody. And uh, so that's my confession, sinful confession this morning. <laughs> I used to make people mad. Here's the deal. This morning, if we're connected to the source, Christ followers, if you're here this morning, you don't know what you think about Jesus, you're not even sure, like, is church for you, is Jesus for you, that's A-okay, all right? But what I'm talking to, is, who I'm talking to is Christ followers this morning. You have the ability to become one, and we're going to see how easy that is. But I'm talking about this morning, when you're connected to the source, God will activate your ability to do some really powerful things in his name. Some really, really powerful things in his name. And not only does he want to do that, he is expecting for you to receive that. Now, here's something that's important that when it comes to this activation and this uh, being connected to the source. How many of you have ever had a bad cell phone charger wire? And like to plug it in, you have to like bend the end right here and like press it up against the wall so it'll stay. Do you know what I'm talking about? The problem is, is you can't, what happens then is you're just trying to fix the symptom, right? You're trying to fix the symptom. You're not trying to actually find a solution, and many of us do that. When we've been activated, but we're no longer connected to the source, when there's a bad connection, then what we try to do, start doing is behavioral things. I've got to read my Bible more. I really need to pray more. I really should give when the offering plate goes around, or I should really attend church more often. And those are good things, but you're just trying to address, you're, all you're doing is addressing symptom, uh, sy symptoms that don't necessarily come with a solution. The solution is you've got to be, listen, when, you, when you've got a bad cable, quit being a cheapskate and go buy a couple of bucks and buy a new one, okay? That is, you address the solution. You, you, you get to the source of the problem. You don't just uh, fix the symptom. Are you with me? The same is true for Christians. You can't just, listen, you should read your Bible, you should pray, you should give, you should attend, you should, you know, honestly, if I'm saying something good, you ought to let me know that that's tracking with you. You ought to be sharing your faith at work where you live, work, and play. There's got to be a good connection. And this morning, I want us to stop just addressing symptoms, because listen, when you're connected to the source, you'll want to read, you'll want to pray, you'll want to learn more, you'll be hungry for, for what's happening I want us to kind of just dive back into this scripture for a moment. It's a well-known scripture, and there's a lot of places that we could go in this. But there's a specific thing that I feel like God showed me. So as I continue just to teach, I just ask that you would pray even now as I'm speaking that I would give it to you the way that God showed it to me. Now, this is not on the screen, but I want you to think about a couple things here. This is a test, okay? If you fail, you have to leave. I'm just kidding. We're reading out of what chapter in John? Five. Good. Good job, J.B. How many colonnades were there? There were five, right? Now listen, 
in verse 5, it says there was one man who had been there sick. He had been sick for 38 years. So that's five, John chapter five, five colonnades. How many times was Jesus pierced on the cross? Five, one hand, other hand, both feet, and this side. Now you don't understand, you don't have to understand biblical numerology to really see where I'm going here. The number five represents grace, okay? Anytime you see the number five or this, this, this numer- uh, numerical kind of uh, hidden agenda there, it means grace. And so it's interesting that in verse five, John, the author of this gospel, says there was a man who had been sick for 38 years. What it lets us know, what it's suggestive of is this, is that most likely this was the most broken, screwed up person there. But, but grace came walking by that day. Look at verse 6 right here, the very beginning of it. It says, when Jesus saw him. Who saw who, Sabrina? Who saw who? Jesus saw him. Do you think I was trying to trick you? Are you? Yeah. <laughs> and let me think about this here for a minute. Jesus saw him. How many of you know this morning you did not wake up and, and seek him out before he first sought you? How many of you know this morning you did not wake up and choose to love him because he, without him first loving you? What I love about this, it says that Jesus saw him, is that Jesus is not afraid to take on the most broken person there is. Somebody in here, or somebody listening to this podcast will be thinking, I'm the most screwed up person. I'm the most hypocritical person I know. I'm the most shady. I've got these terrible thoughts, and Jesus has no problem walking by you and seeing you. When Jesus saw him, Jesus sees this. Now, what I want you to do is, we're going to look at the rest of this verse, and I want you to say the underlined words with me, okay? Say the underlined words with me. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time. How many of you, you need to know this, that Jesus already knows what you're going through. The one thing that could have prevented you from coming here this morning because you felt guilty, Jesus already knew about it before you even addressed and decided to come. Now, you may not take great confidence in knowing that he already knows about your problem, because I think a logical question would be, well, why aren't you doing something about it already if you already know about it? The Father knows. The Father knows. It says, when he saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there, see, Jesus did not care to go where that person was. He did not care to to meet him there. There ought to be a church that has a little A-frame sign, and it ought to be on their website that says, we'll meet you where you are. If there's not, we should do that. For those of you that are confused, we do say that because we will meet you where you are because we know Jesus is not afraid to take you there, to bring you farther, to take you on. And we might say this, we'll meet you where you are knowing that God won't leave you there, but he knows where you're at. It's interesting then, Jesus asked this question, and it almost, let's just be honest, okay? Let's just kind of take out the like spiritual, he says, do you want to get well? Now listen, this man's been sick for 38 years. It does not say that he's been by this pool for 38 years. It says he's been sick for 38 years. However, the text is suggestive that he has been there probably a really long time. Because remember, he says, hey, every time I want to go down and get healed, somebody goes before me. So he's seen like numerous people go down before him. You know what that reminds me of? Remember it says there was blind people there and lame people that couldn't get up and walk. You know what's terrible? Just thinking about this, leave the scripture up so I don't forget where I'm at, but you think about there's blind people there and lame people there, paralyzed people there. 
and the first one in after the water started, they could get healed. Imagine what it's like for this person, this man who's been sick for 30 years, and we assume he's an invalid, meaning he's lame, he's paralyzed. Yet there's this blind man who can't see anything, yet he can get up and walk, and though he may stumble, he can get in and get healed. But you've got this person over here who can see everything and not do anything about it. Isn't that a terrible feeling to see everything that's going on around you and feel like there's nothing you can do about it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And no, 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 there's no doubt he saw this numerous times. There's, no, there's not a worse feeling in the world as a parent, as a loved one, as just wanting to, just a, from the level of humanity, from seeing something, and you can't do anything about it. But aren't you glad? In our desperate need, the Savior comes walking by. And he asked him this question, which seems silly, right? He says, do you want to get well? Now, this is where we take just the spiritual side of things, and you're like, what's the obvious answer here? Uh, yeah, Jesus, if you don't mind, that'd be great, since you're here. And I've been sick for 30 years, and I'm tired of walking everybody freaking walk in front of me and get the hill while I'm stuck over here eating pot, crock, macaroni, and cheese. I can't make nothing for myself. I can't get a Burger King. Do you want to get well? It's, it seems like a really easy question to, to answer, but what you must understand is there's something so much deeper going on than at surface level, because a lot of times you can't judge a book by its cover because what's on the inside is a lot deeper than what you see on the outside. See, what you have happening here is you have divine sovereignty happening with human responsibility. Who alone but Jesus can heal this man? No one. The divine sovereignty. Who alone but this man can receive the healing from Jesus? No one but the man. It's a picture of salvation. There is grace, the divine sovereignty that comes from heaven that was on the cross. And then there's faith, which is the human responsibility for us. And they come together. So when this man says, yeah, I basically, I want to, but Jesus is asking me, he says, do you want to get well? He's not just saying yes or no, he's challenging his faith, you see. This morning you say, yeah, I want to get well, but Jesus is saying, well, what are you going to do about it? I see, because we have this responsibility, and God's sovereignty, meaning in his strength, his power, his control, we have a responsibility as well. So he's testing his faith here. And it's indicative by his answer that he does want to get well. Look at verse 7. Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put, into the, or excuse me, to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Now, what I love about this is that basically he's saying, yeah, I want to get healed, but this is the only way it can happen. And some of you, you put stipulations on how you want God to make you well. Yes, I want you to do this because I have to have more money. I had to have a bigger house. This is the only way. Yeah, God, I, listen, I really want you to do this, but I know it has to be this way. Does that make sense? That's what the man's doing here. It's, it's because it's all he knows. It's all he knows. The only ability he has is to see the system that's been placed in front of him. And that is, if I go get in the water, which is religion, whoever gets in first gets it best. I don't have someone to help me. Now, what I love about this is that Jesus, he doesn't instantly offer him a hand. In fact, let's, if we even just kind of back up here a moment, you would, you would think that if this man is sitting before Jesus, which we're going to learn just a little bit, that he doesn't even know who this is, that he would be like, heal me right now. And I wonder this morning, if you knew the actual God that we serve and the one that I'm preaching about, what kinds of things would you ask him for? It's not that you can't ask him for small things, but we're talking about the God who split the sea, about who raises dead people to life, Kim. What kinds of things would you ask him for? 
I mean, that's the God we serve. We should be asking for those things. We should be asking for these incredible things that seem dangerous, that seem crazy, that seem ridiculous. I mean, that's the God we serve. It's the God we serve. And here's the, what I love about this as well is, remember, Jesus comes walking by. It says he saw him. And what did he do? Jesus engaged the conversation with him. Jesus engaged the relationship. Jesus took initiative. Now, how many of you think that the religious leaders around this area, this is not your question. I'm setting you up for the answer is yes, okay. They would have walked by and saw all these people sitting there in their nice clothes, on their fancy horses or chariots, and done nothing. But Jesus, our Savior, in his grace, took the initiative. This morning, you may be feeling like the invalid who's been sick for 38 years. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it just happened last night. And Jesus is taking the initiative to meet you where you are. And you know what I love? Y'all don't know what I'm fixing to say, but I do, and I'm getting really fired up about it because I've got it in my notes. People in the South say stupid things, and I'm not calling you stupid if you've said this, okay? People say in the South, God only helps those who what? Help themselves. Well, the scripture I read and the Jesus I read about, he's the one that helps people who can't help themselves. Matter of fact, if you're in Christ, the day you came to him and fell on your knees or prayed in your car, there was nothing you could do for yourself. You were helpless indeed. And he took the initiative to say yes. This morning, we're all really helpless. You need to know that, right? That, I mean, you may be educated and you may have a nice car and praise God if you do. And you may have material possessions and blah, 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 blah. But you are helpless and without the need of a Savior. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can overcome. There's no one you could ever turn to that can meet a need like he can. We are all helpless. So the next time you have the conversation with someone and say, hey, you know what? I'd love to help him, but he's not helping himself. You better be glad that Jesus doesn't look down from heaven and say the same thing about you. My preaching. I barely got that last sentence out. <laughs> Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool. He's relying on this system. Basically, hey, if I get better, then, then I can come to you. Friends, listen to me this morning. Somebody, listen, let me tell you what one of my main goals as the pastor of this church is, other than to flip this city for God's glory that I cannot do alone, we'll do together. But if somebody, somebody, not that there aren't other preachers doing this, I'm not suggesting they're not, but I'm going to be the pastor that lets people know for real that it's about God's grace and he already loves you. So you don't change to experience his love, you begin to change when you experience his love. Jesus takes the initiative, and Jesus helps those who can't help themselves. The so next time you feel like, should I give to this homeless person? Should I do this? Should I not? Hey, the greatest blessing you can do is when someone cannot do back for you. Next verse. Jesus says, get up. See, this man says, hey, this is how it's got to be done. Aren't you glad that God's grace is bigger than what we think is the solution? He says, hey, it has to be this way. And Jesus is like, no, get up. I wonder this morning who he's speaking to saying, get up. You need to rise above your issues. You need to rise above your pride. You need to rise above depression or financial problems or relational issues or, or marriage issues or insecurity and get up. And look what he says. Jesus told him, 
Pick up your mat and walk. Verse 9. Instantly, instantly the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this verse because as I was studying this week, I've been very privileged to teach on this particular passage multiple times. It's a great story in the gospel. There's, there's so many different ways that we could take this. That's what I love about the gospel. The truth is I could take these exact same passages and teach next week on something different. For example, one is we don't even know this man's name. Do you know why? Because sometimes the world will label you by your conditions more than who you really are. All we know is he's the lame man. Anybody ever felt the label from the world? They don't even know who you are. They just label you by your condition. Anybody? There's so many ways we could go with this. But as I got to studying this, and, and, and when I kind of preach a text, I will, I will study commentaries. I will listen to other preachers pre- who have preached different messages, even if it's a different way, just because I want to be prepared when I come before you. I want to know what I'm talking about. And as I got to studying this and thinking about previous times I had preached this, I want you to pay close attention. Do you see where it says John 5, 7, but then it says 9a? That's because that's the first part of verse 9. And I've always quit right there. Because isn't it a good part to quit, really? I mean, Jesus said, hey, get up. The man got well. He picked up his mat and started to walk. Hallelujah. You need to get up and walk out of here and be brave and victorious. I mean, does it, if we stopped right here, it doesn't take away from the miracle. But then God started showing me. He's like, hey, there's, there's something else here to the story that, that you need to know. And so let's read the rest of verse 9 in its context. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now, that day was a Sabbath. So we see the dynamics begin to change of what's happening here in the context and the culture. Look at verse 10. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your mat. Now, here's what's happening. The Sabbath actually comes from the story of creation. God created the earth in six days and he rested on the seventh day. But it's important you understand he did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. He was done. However, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 10, this is where we get the the Sabbath, that you will keep it holy, um, that you will honor it. And so the tension then is for this. These Jewish leaders, they see this man carrying the mat. And if you study this, you can kind of go either way, but it does not, the, the Sabbath does not necessarily say that this man can't pick up his mat per se. There were certain weight limits of things you could pick up, and it's hard to say did this mat cross that line. But what I think the conflict is is this. Jesus commanded this man to pick up his mat and walk. Therefore, the Jewish leaders would have seen that as a command to work. So, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So here you have this conflict of God's will. Jesus says, pick it up and walk on. The Jewish leaders say, hold up, you're not supposed to carry that. But you know what's crazy about that? These these Jewish men, these religious leaders, no doubt saw that this man who had been sick for 38 years had been laying there on that mat. And after God cures him and he walks up, the one thing they want to say to him is, hey, you shouldn't be carrying that mat. Don't we do the exact same crap with people? I mean, listen, you want to, I'll get calls and complain about, oh, he's smoking cigarettes now. Well, good Lord, he was drinking from sun up to sundown six months ago. Why don't you give the man just a break? I'm not encouraging smoking cigarettes, by the way. But I'm just saying, Jesus, let's get over that. Or, hey, you're mad because he's making a job, making not very much money. But listen, Lord, a year ago, he couldn't even keep a job. Why don't you give him a break a little bit? 
That's what we do. I mean, God delivers us, Jeff, of so many things, and then we as religious people want to point out the very little math that they're holding and saying, uh-uh-uh. Hey, listen, if this message is speaking to you, say it's working. We've got to get past this, this religious look of this man picked up this mat and hey, you can't be doing that. You know what I think is interesting is that that's the one thing they pointed out about him out of all that Jesus had done for him. I mean, this man had been sick for 38 years and they want to point out this one little thing. But what I love about it is it showcases God's glory because some of you this morning, you're like this man. He's been for 38 years. He depended on this mat to, to help him with his ailment. The very thing that's been holding you down, maybe whatever happened last year, maybe whatever you're going through this morning, God wants to take that ailment and use it for his glory. He wants to pick up the very thing that you depended on and for you to pick it up and walk out in his glory and say, no, not anymore. Jesus says to the drug addict, hey, I know you've got needle tracks on your arm, but I want you to look at the scars in my hands. That's how you were healed. You just pick it up, you wear your short sleeve shirt, and you just walk on and you talk about my grace. He talks to the battered woman, hey, I know you've been abused, but come to my heart and feel the Father's love. And you walk with that battered heart. The very thing that the world wants to use against you, God wants to pick up to show for his glory. Anybody got any masks they need to pick up this morning? Jesus. Jesus is calling you this morning to pick up the very thing that held you down in 2015, the very thing that's been holding you down for five or ten years, and he wants to use it for his glory. He's telling you to get up, to pick it up, and walk on. Don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen listen to the religious fanatics. Because the truth is, I'm going to say this, and I'm feeling really amped up, and this is things like this I say that I know I shouldn't, I go back and listen to the podcast, and I think, God, why did I say that? But most of those people are bound to hell anyway because they don't know the real Jesus. True. I'm looking for affirmation here. Please help me. I know it is. I don't need you to do that. I don't need you to do that, but it helps because my love language is words affirmation. They point out the very thing that held him down, and Jesus said, no, I'm going to take that and use it for my glory. Look at verse 11, though. So they're asking, who, who did this? He said, he replied, this is the man who's been healed. The man who made me well told me. Interesting, the Savior of the world walks by and heals him instantly, and he refers to him as that man. The man, he made me well. He's the one that told me, pick up your mat and walk, verse 12. Who is this man? who told you, pick up your mat and walk. Now there's some, what's happening here is this is the third miracle that Jesus has performed according to the Gospel of John. And immediately after this text, what you see, after they find out who, had done, who did this, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the scribes, the religious leaders, the Jews, they begin, it says, they begin trying to persecute Jesus and to capture him, thus leading to the cross. So when they ask this, they're not really sure exactly was this the Jesus of Nazareth, the, the Messiah, but there's an indication. So when they ask it, there's like, it's not, this is for real, like, okay, who, who did this? Who has this power? Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk? They ask. I love this right here. Don't miss this. But the man who was cured did not know who it was because sometimes Jesus works on us and we don't even know it's him moving. 
because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. What I love about this is when I first studied this and got thinking about it, I thought, you know, we read this story, this man, he's lame, he is, you know, an invalid, maybe paralyzed, something of that nature. Jesus comes walking by and Jesus says, get up. The man got up and he was cured. But what I really think happened, because I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus and the power of His Word, was that He wasn't cured because He got up. He got up because He was cured. Amen? Don't, yeah, celebrate it with me if you believe it. I mean, He got up because the Word of God spoke to Him. This morning, you don't get up because you made a decision without the power of the Spirit coming down on you. And that's available for everyone. And I love this. It says, the man was cured. He didn't even know who it was. He didn't even know who it was. We could say it like this. Sometimes God is performing His greatest work when we don't even know it. You may have got that promotion because you worked hard, or maybe because God just put some favor on your life. I'm starting to spit, and that means it's almost the end, and I'm getting serious. But you may have earned that, that, that college degree and worked really hard, but maybe just God gave you the brain so you could get through that. You may have a blessed family with great kids and a great marriage. God gave you that. And hey, listen, you may be on the flip side of that. Your marriage is crazy or you're, you're divorced or twice divorced and all this nastiness. How many of you know that God can take your life today and redeem what you've lost? God can redeem what was and make it even better. I'm not suggesting that God is the cause of these ailments or divorce or sickness or cancer or AIDS or criticism or sickness or slander or 9-11 or abortion or murder. But what I'm saying is He can take all things and work them together for our good who love Him and have been called according to our purpose. And most of the time that He does that, Holly, we don't even know that He's working for our good. My friends, that is grace. That is grace. You ever thought, man, I just got lucky. No, 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 no. Maybe the hand of God was over you. Some of you, guilt will stop you from coming to him and you'll say, I don't deserve it. And you need to just look in the mirror and say, no, I don't, but thank God I got it. And I'm not telling you to be arrogant. I'm just, that's the truth. What, what behaviors did this man do that he deserved what Jesus did that day? Nothing. Who took the initiative? Jesus did. I mean, listen, that's why this city can be flipped for his glory. I believe it. There's not a message coming like this that Jesus is the one who makes the decision, Allison, to pursue us. You don't do without him first loving you. And that's for Lottie Dottie, everybody. There are no restrictions. There are no prerequisites. It's him, his goodness, his favor. God wants to activate you this morning. He wants to activate your ability to take the very thing that held you down for so long, pick it up and walk on with it. The broken relationship, whatever it is, the insecurity, the feeling like I'm an apathetic, lukewarm Christian. Get over it, experience His grace, pick it up and walk on. God wants to move. He wants to activate you. But you've got to be connected to the source this morning. You've got to have a good connection. In Genesis chapter 2, it's not on the screen. In Genesis chapter 2, we see where God creates Adam and Eve. And do you remember how he created Adam and Eve? He, out of dust. And do you remember how he brought life to Adam? Through his breath, right? In Acts chapter 2 then, Jesus has ascended into heaven. It's the day of Pentecost. And do you remember what the scripture said? Luke is the author of Acts, 
the same one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Do you remember how he describes the day of Pentecost? Particularly the movement of the Holy Spirit. He said it came down like a violent, rushing wind. So I go back to the beginning of time. Are you with me? This is so good. Y'all don't know where I'm going, do you? Can you, you think you have an idea? It don't matter. Just let the Spirit testify with you. In Genesis chapter 2, in creation of man physically, God breathed. And he came to life. But then we sinned and the law was put in place and we were basically damned to separation. But then Jesus came and he defeated sin on the, on the cross and he defeated death by his resurrection. And you know what Jesus said? He said, listen, it's better that I go. I've got cultures all over me. He says, it's better that I go because the one who's coming after me, talking about the Spirit, the mighty counselor, he's going to do greater things. Let me ask you something. Those of you who think your marriage, your job, everything in your life depends upon you. But if it wasn't for me, I don't know what my family would do. If the Savior of the world could say, it's better that I go, do you have the ability to say that and trust in the work of the Holy Spirit? I mean, listen, I've got to get to that point in my ministry where, listen, in the, in the early days, a church planner does a lot. I still do a lot. You can catch me uh, handing out connection cards. I saw Sabrina out there was handing out connection cards. You just got to do whatever you got to do. But the reality is that I've got to come to this point in my ministry where I could say, hey, it'd be better that I go so the Holy Spirit could just, I could get out of his way and he could move. So in Genesis chapter 2, God brings physical to life by his breath. In Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit comes, where freedom is found, it says the Holy Spirit came down like a violent, rushing... Woo! You feel me this morning? God's got a mighty breath that He wants to breathe over you. Go ahead and crank it up. Go ahead and start playing this. Let me close right here on this. In Genesis 2, He breathed the breath into Adam and He came to life. In Acts chapter 2, the violent, rushing wind came down like the Holy Spirit, like a mighty breath. In John chapter 5, Jesus came walking by that day and it sounded like a mighty breath, except when he breathed, he said, get up, get up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Woo! Come on, church, get up, let's celebrate it together. God wants to activate your ability. He wants to do mighty things in you. He's got a mighty breath that brings physical life, that brings spiritual life. And he's telling you this morning to get up with his breath. Let's celebrate that.
fly.